Hello and welcome to The Nerd Degree, the only podcast that has been scientifically proven to heal alopecia. I'm your host, Brendan Bennett, the third sexiest man in the world, and tonight our episode is all about lies. So let's meet the lying liars who will be talking to you tonight. Uh, let's meet our teams. Hello, uh, my name is Ben Allen. I am in the International Union of Conservation's Least Concerned category. Uh, and... Uh, the biggest lie I think I've ever told, or have been told, or was involved with, was on a morning... You were party to a lie. Yes. Um, there was a morning that we were going to go away as a family, and we were rushing to get ready and go on this long car trip. And mum discovered that somebody, one of our, me or my two brothers, had tipped their muesli out of the window <laughs> in order to get rid of it. And she, it was one of those tipping points for mothers, I think, that she demanded to know who had done it, otherwise we weren't going to go on holiday anywhere. And... All three of us, to this day, maintain that it was not us. And we never found out. Someone is lying. Someone is lying. Somebody tipped the music out the window. We still don't know who. It's about 30, 30, 30 years later at this point. Yeah. Well, someone knows. Yeah, someone knows. Someone knows. But no one will admit it. It could have been me, but I'm not saying. <laughs> it this... wasn't, though. It wasn't, though. Somebody, it was either Daniel or Josh. But, yeah. It was, it was, it was very controversial. <laughs> All right, thank, thank you, Ben. Uh, kia ora, my name's Moata Tamaira. Um, I'm a, the actress who played the original Aunt Viv on Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> uh, and one of the most noteworthy lies that I've told recently was to my son, who's three. Um, and he started to notice that mummy and daddy look a bit different, like, you know, he sees us naked sometimes when we've had a shower and stuff. And so he has questions about that. Mm. And one of the questions that he was asking me regularly was, Mummy, where's your penis? Because, you know, he's got one, his dad's got one. Like, what's with this situation? Um, So after being asked this several times, I just, I just, I, I caved in to that sort of desire to do something a bit naughty and subversive. So I told him that I used to have a penis, but I didn't eat my vegetables and it fell off. (laughs) (laughs) Which, before you get the idea that this was a masterstroke in parenting, um, the very next time he saw me in the shower, he he said, you eat food and your penis drop off, mummy? So he remembered, but he remembered it completely around the wrong way. Uh. So he thought you eat food and your penis falls off. So this kind of backfired. It really, really did. And then he starved to death. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, together you're forming a team which is called... Uh, Truth Decay. Truth Decay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Truth Decay! <laughs> and competing against them tonight. Hello, my name is uh, Jeff Clark. I'm an arts marketer and the alter ego of Gary Starlight, who's a singer slash songwriter slash entertainer slash massage therapist. And uh, one of the uh, one of the biggest lies I've ever been told is that Half Life Three is coming out any day now. <laughs> and uh, one of the largest lies I have told is something I had to deal with recently, which is uh, the Santa Claus situation with my eight year old son. Um, because he he outright asked it, and we cannot lie directly to our son. So it was a very long conversation, but I'm choosing my words very, very carefully because my daughter might listen to this podcast at some point. (laughs) She won't, but she might. So you told told him the... I told him the truth about uh, Santa, and I got him on board, and now he's actually quite excited about um, being in on the joke. So now he's, he, he also, found, by that, the, it, it escalated and he found out about all the other characters, Tooth Fairy, things like that. But now... Um, he, wow, he, what a day there must have been. It was, pre- <laughs> it was pretty late at night. He was pretty big on it. Um, but now he has conversations and we're talking, you know, we're talking to my daughter about how she, she loses a tooth. We're going to put it under the... And he goes, well, you better put it under there and make sure that you tell it because it might come in. And then he turns to us and gives us the cheesiest wink <laughs> right in front of her. He just does this big wink. And he's not a big winker, so it's kind of more of a full head tilt. <laughs> um, but, it's, yeah, he, he, he's, he's, he's learnt the truth. So I don't count it what as What do you mean, child. though? It's just that Santa's a really great guy, right? Absolutely. Yeah, really, yeah okay. Yeah. 
Yes, Ben. What do you mean? And Santa's yes. not happy about that muesli situation. And inside Santa's... <laughs> Nobody got Christmas presents. And inside Santa's sack is a copy of Half-Life 3 for everyone. <laughs> Hello, uh, my name is Scott Curry, and I am the host of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I used to uh, be a, a host of uh, a ghost walk uh, uh, around the art centre of Christchurch, um, uh, telling uh, true stories of, of famous Christchurch ghosts. A uh, bit of fun. Uh, sometimes people came along on the, on the walk and, and they took it a bit more seriously. About, uh, they took the ghosts very seriously. And because I was in character, when they asked me follow-up questions, I had to uh, answer them seriously. And the, the rabbit hole got deeper and deeper. Um, sadly, I, I don't believe in ghosts at all. And so I was uh, very ethically conflicted as a performer. Uh, so that was a big fat lie from me. This bizarrely, there are three former hosts really of the Christchurch yeah. Ghost Walk on this panel, or maybe four. <laughs> mm. um, there was, I, I would always use a lot of, uh, well, some people say. <laughs> uh, so together, you are forming. Uh, together, we are the Pants, Pants on, on Fire, Fire Brigade. Brigade. The Pants on Fire Brigade. <laughs> All right, and uh, we have one more person to introduce our score scorekeeper in the sound box, Tara Swati. Hello. <laughs> How's it going, Tara? It's good, thank you. I've got a pen and I've got paper, so I'm going to keep all the scores. That's, that's really all you need to do. Um, yeah, thanks. Tara, everyone. Yay! All right, let's get straight into... Our, oh, yes, OK, we'll roll for initiative. As always, uh, 27. <laughs> All right, well, uh, so. <laughs> hey, Ben. Wait a second. 20. More than seven. <laughs> well, he, he, said it, he said it's more than 20, so we're going to have to go with truth decay on this one. Um, let's, go, let's go straight into our first round, which is the liar, the witch, and the wardrobe. Uh, <laughs> In this, I will uh, give you a series of things, and you will have to explain to me how they are connected. So, uh, I, uh, yeah, truth decay, I'll give you the first option on this. Uh, what connects the following things? A large marble disc, a mouthful of rice, Wonder Woman, and a donkey covered in soot. Donkey covered in soot. Yes. And Wonder Woman. Large marble disc, a mouthful of rice, Wonder Woman, and a donkey covered in soot. What mm. connects these things? Uh, uh, animal cruelty? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think. Wonder, Wonder Woman famous for animal cruelty. Is there a Christchurch Art Gallery at the moment? No? No? Okay, I'm going to pass it over to Pants on Fire Brigade. Um, these are all things that are on my DVD shelf. A large marble disc? <laughs> a a mouthful mouth of rice? <laughs> yep. I have children. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll... A mouthful, that sounds quite specific, doesn't it? <coughs> is, that, yes. is that a scientific measurement of a mouthful? Does it, has it come out of somebody's mouth? Oh, are these or? all things that if you get your cell phone wet, you can put them... <laughs> and it will be Wait, dry again. Do they all work. have the exact same number of calories if you eat them? <laughs> yeah, no, if, you, if you drop your phone in water, then you can just put it in a soot-covered donkey. Oh. And it just it wicks the moisture right out. Maybe it's uh, a Kickstarter. Could it be like... It, 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 the connection is, is the te- kids' television programme, uh, Sooty and Sweep. Uh, sooty do- donkey, uh, sweep. You can sweep up the rice when you spit it out of your mouth. And, and Sue was the, 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 the female puppet. Uh, uh, DC will sue uh, <laughs> people who try to make fan films based on, on Wonder Woman. Oh. And, 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 they, and they, they burned the, the, uh, the film onto a marble disc because they Old can't school. afford uh, laser discs. <laughs> Copy protection. Yeah, no, no, um, Wonder Woman's DC, not Marvel. Oh. 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 So it's going to be one of those. Is okay, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I'll give you some points for that, Scott, because at least you gave yes. it a go. Uh, here's, what, here's what connects all of these four things. They are all methods that people have used to try and tell if people were lying or not. So, uh, Oh, yeah, the theme of the episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, of course. Because the person who invented Wonder Woman was also the person who invented the lie detector. 
And Wonder Woman's golden lasso made people only be able to tell the truth. That is, that, yeah, that's correct. Uh, so Dr. William Marston uh, in, discovered the correspondence between, between telling a lie and a rise in blood pressure. Uh, and based on that, he developed one of the early uh, lie detector machines, mm. uh, of which none have ever worked. Um, uh, but yes, so that's the connection there. Um, on the screen there, you'll see the large disc of marble, which is the mouth of truth. Uh, the Bocca della Verita. Oh, is that that thing from Roman Holiday? Yeah, it's in the film yeah. Roman Holiday. And yeah. uh, legend has it, you put your hand inside the mouth of this uh, this face, and if you are lying, then uh, your hand will be bitten off. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it's quite easily disproved. <laughs> but it's actually kind. Of, it would actually be kind of a good way to do it because you get your you get someone that you think is lying, to put their hand in there and ask them to tell you the truth. And if they flinch, then you know that they're worried that they're going to get bitten. And if you're really serious, get them to put something different from their hand in there. Yeah. <laughs> or you get them to put their hand in a sooty donkey. And no, don't, I don't Well, worry. actually, uh, so we've identified two of the elements now. What, how does a sooty donkey help you, <laughs> help you find out if someone is lying? What? Is it like a chimney sweep donkey? Like, it's, with, with some small hooves. Specifically, but, it is a donkey with a tail that is covered in soot. Is this Obviously. Like, is, this like, is this like the octopus that was predicting who would win the Rugby World Cup? Like, if, you, if the donkey's tail swings one way, you're telling the truth, and if the donkey's tail swings the other way, you're lying? Kind of. Kind of. So this, we're going back to 500 BC in India, and um, this technique was used to find uh, thieves. They were, they were, the donkey was put inside a darkened tent. <laughs> and then the, the thief was told, you need to go into, the, into this This is tent. very elaborate. <laughs> There's a lot of preparation. No, let him continue. I want to hear this. Okay. The, the accused thief right. is sent into this uh, pitch black tent with a donkey. <laughs> and they're told, you need to grab hold of the tail of the donkey. And if you are lying... The donkey will bray. So how does it? So how does it work? Ah, so if they are guilty, they would avoid grabbing the tail of the donkey and not have soot on their hands, and that way they know that they're lying because they were afraid that the donkey would bray if they grabbed its tail. Exactly right, Jeff. Yes. Mm. So the mm. uh, much like the uh, mouth of truth, yeah. uh, people who feel guilty will give themselves away by refusing. Isn't it only going to work once though? Until everybody knows, don't grab the tail of the donkey. Like spreads throughout the criminal. Like everybody in prison <laughs> is like, hey guys, just so you know, don't grab the donkey tail <laughs> is, when they ask you. Is this where the phrase "talking out of your ass" comes from? <laughs> but see, a refusal to grab the tail doesn't inherently invalidate the magical donkey That's true. because you never put it to the test. Uh, how, does a, how does a mouthful of rice help you spot a liar? It's hard to lie when you've got a mouthful of rice. <laughs> it's also hard to tell the truth when you've got a mouthful of rice, yeah. though, admittedly. This was a technique used in ancient China. It's, is it, I mean, the obvious thing is that you'd, you'd have a mouthful of rice, you'd try and say the thing, and if you're lying, the rice would fly out or do something to you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty close. Mm. Uh, so it was believed that uh, if you're lying, your mouth would go dry. So if you lied with a mouthful of oh, rice, yeah. um, then the, uh, uh, that would give away the fact that you were lying. So was it sticky rice or that kind of jasmine rice? <laughs> it... Uncooked rice. What about rice pudding? Well, that's no, a... I'm just looking at different aspects of rice. Would... Yeah, I mean, we could really modernise this technique, couldn't we? <laughs> so they give the accused a mouthful of rice and then they fill them up with water and put them in a microwave for 12 minutes. And then if it... If it hasn't cooked, it's because your mouth is too dry. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good idea. Um, any, other, any other ideas on how we could identify liars? Other than the ones that have been put forward? Yeah, other than those four excellent ideas. Just turn on the TV and channel flick and see until you see someone from the Trump administration. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> I mean, the, okay, yeah. the, the, I mean, the, there's the uh, tonal shift. Apparently, you can register stress in voice patterns. If people are lying, their, vo- their voice becomes more tight, so it, it changes in terms of modulation. So you can do an audio recording of them and check that. Do you know what the success rate percentage-wise is of uh, lie detector, like polygraph machines? Sixty-three percent. 
lower. 10%. (laughs) Uh, Well, that would be amazing. If it was 10%, then you would just have to reverse the readings. (laughs) It's 51%. Uh, So... Majority. So another... Pretty useful much technique the most could be percent. flipping a coin would be uh, mm. also a good well, way to tell. What about um, is, is it, I don't know if it's apocryphal, but um, something about looking up to the left or the right because it's, it activates some part of your brain, which is the imagination part rather than the thinking about real things. Yeah, part. right. Accessing mm. memory as opposed to and, and, and we. Uh, I don't know if that's actually a legit thing, but yeah. I've heard it. That is, that is. I think it's based on uh, NLP, neuro linguistic programming, yeah, right. uh, which is yeah. Highly reliable. Yeah, you watch. So, <laughs> oh, what you what you do is you binge watch um, season one of Lie to Me, starring mm. Tim Roth, and then you're an expert on knowing if someone's lying or not. They actually did a study of that show, and people who have watched that series are worse at detecting liars <laughs> than wow. other people. It's because the whole thing relies on the actors acting badly in order to look like. Be lying. Yeah, it's really in a scripted show. It's really easy to tell if someone's lying because the script tells you. Yeah. Um, all right, that brings us to the end of the Liar, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Tara, what are the scores? Uh, currently, Pants on Fire Brigade have two points, and mm. Truth Decay are on three points. Mm. Oh, big scoring round, everyone! Okay, uh, so uh, our next ra- in our next round, uh, we're going to be putting some lie detecting tests to the test. <laughs> in this next round, we're going to see whether our panelists can tell whether or not someone is lying. So what I have here is uh, through thorough research, I found uh, different ways that you can identify if someone is lying or not. So um, let's see, truth decay. I'm giving you an FBI agent's eight ways to spot a liar. And uh, Pants on Fire Brigade Mm -hmm. from Psychology Today. Six ways to detect a liar in just seconds. So uh, you have there some foolproof uh, methods for telling if people are lying. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to put it to the test. Uh, Let's start with Ben. Ben, you're going to tell a story to the other team. Uh, I've asked you to prepare a story that's either true or false. Mm -hmm. And... uh, I want you to try and apply some of these techniques and find out if Ben is telling the truth. Okie dokie. So, Ben? Okay, in 2001, uh, me and my friends really wanted to be the first people in Christchurch or amongst the first people to see Lord of the Rings. So, me and my friends Simon and Tim put some uh, armchairs in the back of a ute and we drove down to the Hoytsmore House car park to stay overnight so we could be in first in line to, uh, to buy tickets. And there were only some other, two other people ahead of us who were in a tent who also had the same idea. Their names were also Simon and Tim. And we all ended up in the paper uh, in, our, in our ute for being ultra nerds. <laughs> all right. Uh... Okay, well, um, whilst that was happening, I've been, I've been focusing on p- points five and... Uh, Five and four, which is observing microfacial expressions and listening to tone, cadence, and sentence structures. And I did find that that was relatively, you were relatively direct. You maintained good eye contact and looked at us. Um, also, the fact that your friend Tim is in the audience. It's not that Tim. No. Uh, different I, have Tim. Ah. I have more than one friend called Tim. Right. So many Tim's. Tim's. Because I was also observing your body language. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to if I may, Scott, I'd like to okay. use technique number one. Start by asking neutral questions. Are mm. you lying? <laughs> seem very neutral, but no, I'm not lying at all. Not mm, absolutely. Okay. It's the same as that dice roll. I would say absolutely roll the 20. Okay, I'm just looking at... The, you're talking about body language. As he said that, he clutched his hand into a fist. He did, yes. Mm. Well, he, a lot of people do that when talking to me, though, so... Um, <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes conceal their hands to, to subconsciously hide fidgety fingers. Mm-hmm. I, I don't Ooh. think I saw all five fingers on the outside of that fist. I think there were some... Yeah. <laughs> yeah you didn't see all five of my fingers, bro. No. There's also um, watch for when they stop talking about themselves. Ben, you very mm. quickly move from talking about yourself to talking about your friends in yes. the ute, in the cow. Well, there were three of us in the ute. Yeah, well, th- this, is, this is the other thing. And you, is, and you were so desperate to talk about other people that you doubled yeah. the, your characters. You yeah. didn't even, and you, you, you didn't even have the imagination to think of new names. You just repeated yeah. names. Yeah. I'm, I'm oh, also, I'm, I'm, I also find the hot spot. And the hot spot here is 
I don't think any of your friends would own a ute. <laughs> Volkswagen it was t- no, Beetle, maybe. T- but you're, you're right there because it was Tim's girlfriend's work car. She used to work for Montana. No, no, no. Tim has a girlfriend. No, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, it's a Toyota Hilux. Oh, he's, he's piling on the details mm. now. Maroon, maroon in colour. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, what do you think? Is, well, it, is it true or is it false? Well, the thing is, he could have mixed it with truth because I know he's, he, he would absolutely have queued up to see Lord of the Rings. Um, 2001 was the year of the, 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 the movies and um, it does sound like something he would do, but it's the, it's the amount of detail that's been thrown in there. That was there anyone like, behind you? <laughs> no, <laughs> we were literally... It was, there. There. It was, it was one tent and one ute <laughs> with three lounge chairs in the back of it. Right. That sounds about the scale of queues in 2001. Yeah. I, I think, I think, as sad as it sounds, I think he's telling the truth. I, I, yeah, I'm with you. Ben? I am totally telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well yeah. done. You've, uh, you've, found the, uh, you've found the truth. Mm. Uh, so let's try this the other way now. Jeff? Yes? Uh, I would like you to tell something, either true or false. True or false, yep. And uh, I want you to apply these FBI techniques. FBI <laughs> techniques. Okay, do you, do you want me to do the entire anecdote or let them ask me probing, probing questions in the manner of the FBI? I'll, just, I'll tell the anecdote. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, he's sweating already. <laughs> what? No. Um, I've been published by DC Comics. Not as a comic book writer or anything like that, but I had a letter that I sent in in the mid-90s uh, published in the letters section of, at the time it was called Adventures of Superman, but it became Superboy. First of all, Jeff, uh, how was your day? Good. Uh, how's the family going? Very well. Good, I'm just doing bit number one, which is build rapport. Okay, <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently good cop typically gets better results than bad cop. Uh, what, what was your letter about? It was about a Superboy. Um, in the mid-90s, there was a su- storyline where Superman died and a teenage clone of Superman named Superboy came back. And it turned out through the storyline that he wasn't actually a clone of Superman. He was a clone that had been given tactile telekinesis. And I wrote a letter saying how I thought he could now, how we could use his powers uh, creatively if it's tactile telekinesis and not actually being like Superman, because tactile telekinesis is a completely power, different power set to Superman's Kryptonian <laughs> physiology. It, it wasn't a long letter, and they edited it when they printed it. But um, yeah, I wrote some ideas as to what I thought they they could do. There was a lot of detail there, which seems like an appropriate time for number six, which is ask for the story backwards. <laughs> The story backwards. Yeah, tell me the whole story backwards. Uh, Well, I I saw the letter had been printed (laughs) in Mm -hmm. the issue of um, Adventures of Superman. He sounds hesitant. Right, he sounds very hesitant at this point. He's like, he didn't even see. He does seem unsure. The very very end. (laughs) Watch for changes in (laughs) behaviour. Well, the, the thing is, it's, it's not something I've been able to tell anyone because at the time it was at high school and no one in my high school collected comic books. So, but it, I was a comic book collector and I wrote the letter to them and they, they published it, so I was really stoked. So backwards, I couldn't tell anyone. I, I still kept the comic. Uh, I saw my letter being published and felt really, really good. I wrote the letter a couple of months before it was published. <laughs> and then I read the comic book where it was revealed that Superboy was not an actual clone of Superman, but a human clone that had been given Superman-like powers, which were tactile tokens. What was the issue number of that comic? The issue number of the, Adventures the, of Superman? Yeah. 631. That? And where is that comic book now? It's in my garage, I think, <laughs> in a plastic container. Just trying to surprise this you yeah. there. Was <laughs> this is very difficult, Brendan, because uh, this paper that you've given us is entitled An FBI Agent's Eight Ways to Spot a Liar. And number seven is missing. <laughs> what? So, yeah, <laughs> it goes directly from six to eight. That's so, cla- I'm, I'm there sorry. There could be se- a key FBI technique <laughs> se- that seven, totally missing. Seven is classified. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it was just too good. I couldn't trust you with it. <laughs> I don't know. He seems, he seems, he seems you know, relatively convincing, and that sounds like something that Jeff is nearly enough to have done. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of details there. Maybe he only had an opinion about Superboy and never actually wrote the letter. I don't know. I think he's telling the truth. You think he's telling the truth? Uh, yeah, but, like, I don't know. Is Jeff the kind of person who could create, like, a whole fictional scenario? <laughs> like, almost, like, a 
clay or something like and that. Because this says, yeah, this also says stress usually makes people speak faster, but also it's Jeff, so yeah, <laughs> yeah you can't apply that rule. Yeah. All right, I'm going to okay. need an answer. I think it's I think it's true. Jeff, it's a lie. Oh, it is I a lie. It. The letter I wrote to DC Comics was about how I could become a comic book writer, and <laughs> it was never published. Was but straight on the rejection part. No, I got a letter back from them about how I could become a comic book writer, and I still have that letter, and I just didn't follow any of the advice. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Well, well done on getting away with that convincing lie, uh, Tara. Let's get an update on the scores. Brendan, in a surprising turn of events, uh, Truth Decay remain on three points, while Pants on Fire are surging ahead with 22 points. Whoa! Oh. That, was a, that was a high scoring round. Pants on Fire Brigade, everyone. Hang on. Can we apply this to, to Tara? Like, to find out whether Tara's I lying about, about that score, Tara. <laughs> uh, uh, 10 plus 10 plus 2 equals 22. Mm. Close enough? Story check. Now say that backwards. Two, Tell the story uh, backwards. Two plus... Ah, I've been caught. It's time to move on. Uh, this next round is called... Uh, Lies at the Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I, no, actually, I think that was the name of the last round. Um, this one is going to be called... Yes, The Incredible Hoax. Ah. Uh, so, uh, I've looked up uh, some famous hoaxes throughout history, uh, and I'm going to give you some clues about them, uh, and once again, you're going to tell me what connects these elements into a hoax. So, uh, truth okay, I better give you the first shot at this one. Uh, what connects Sherlock Holmes, Charles Darwin, and an English gravel pit? Ah, uh, pit down man? Pilt down. Pilt down man? man. Is that the, is that the, I wonder if that's the, there was a, a long time people were looking for the missing link between one human-like ape and an ape-like human, and on Mm. the end people came up with it, and I think it was an English gravel pit, and um, people said, yeah, we found it, we found this thing, it's the missing link, and it turned out that it was was all a big, it was all a big kafuddle. And Charles Darwin, uh, he was there. <laughs> well, you're right. So uh, yep. Charles Darwin factors into it in that they were trying to find evidence of this missing the, link, the that evolutionary would prove, step, right? Uh, evolution and yes, Piltdown Man. This skull was found in a gravel pit. And I imagine Sherlock Holmes, because uh, Sir Arthur Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was a who created uh, Sherlock Holmes was an extremely credulous guy who believed <laughs> he was a big promoter of. He got tied up in. Uh, promoting seances, and yeah. he believed in famously faked fairy photographs. He was like, fairies, fairies are real, everybody. Look at these. Look at these fairies that are taking pictures, and there were literally bits of cardboard stuck on a photo. On a hat pin yeah. into the garden, yeah. Uh, well, you're absolutely right for two-thirds of that. Right. Um, but uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, in this one, he's actually, it's suspected that he might have been the person who planted oh. those fake skulls. Oh. Wow. So... It's circumstantial evidence, but uh, he was a member of the archaeological society of the guy who found the skull, and um, he was a frequent visitor to the Piltdown site, and he hinted in his novel The Lost World that faking bones is no tougher than forging a photograph, and he apparently knew a lot about forging a photograph. (laughs) Brendan, Uh, there is actually another connection between these three things. Um, Gravel, uh, gravel, uh, of course, as we all know, Charles Darwin had a famously deep, gravelly voice. <laughs> and Sherlock Holmes, what is the, the, the odd letter out there? The L in Holmes is silent. It's like it's a dead letter. Uh, bury that letter. Grave L. <laughs> and, of course, there's the song, Check Out My Gravel Pit, A Mystery yeah. Unraveling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I should have put Wu-Tang Clan in mm-hmm. there as well. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give you points there. And, Scott... Uh, I'll give you points for that tenuous connection. Um, it's obvious. Now, here's, here's an exciting thing that I'll share with you all. Mm. I've just turned over the page to my next printed out sheet, and it hasn't printed out. <laughs> um, so we're going to... It's a lie! 
We're going to work out these next through just from the clues in the pictures right. and my memory of the situation. So let's go over to Pants on Fire Brigade. Uh, what connects a journalist, a toll booth, a Shetland pony, and zero cultural value? <laughs> 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 By which you mean the Pepsi uh, ad. Okay. Um, oh, that's just a stand-in for zero cultural value in general. Okay. So, the, um, I, I, so the, the pictures are not there to help you, Jeff. Uh, this is a, another hoax. Well, the, in, in a way, they're all taking you for a ride. Uh, there, there's... Um, <laughs> uh, a Shetland pony um, is, is, is just... A normal sized horse seen from far away with his legs chopped off. Um, and. Yep, just you, getting ready to okay. go over the truth to okay. you can You can lead a Shetland pony to Pepsi, but you can't make it drink it. Um, it was a phantom toll booth. Yep. Uh, it was possessed by the, the spirit of a disgruntled reporter who used to uh, ride his pony. To, to the uh, newspaper office uh, whilst drinking uh, low sugar. Truth decay. Do you have okay. any ideas? Okay. Like okay. Was there? Uh, you guys so, had okay. your chance. Okay. So we got, got journalists, right? Well, anyone who's been to stuff knows it's zero cultural value there. That's right. Um, Shetland ponies are notoriously uncouth. Um, they well, don't even know how to read. When we're talking about hoaxes, first of all, for those people that are listening and can't see the slide that we're looking at at the moment, we're looking at two Shetland ponies <laughs> wearing knitted jerseys. And talking about hoaxes, I cannot believe that horse jerseys are a thing. Like an actual thing. But, like, I don't know, was, was did people cobble two, um, like, two Shetland ponies together and claim it was a horse? <laughs> <laughs> like these are, these are all connected to a novel called Naked Came the Stranger. Uh, was the stranger a Shetland pony? <laughs> because those are not naked Shetland ponies, they're the clothed Shetland ponies. Um, so a journalist named, insert this in later, Brendan, was... <laughs> <laughs> So that, that journalist was uh, disgusted by the lack of literary merit in the uh, writing of the time. And so he decided to satirise this by uh, writing the worst possible novel. So he got 24 of his colleagues from uh, Newsweek, I think it was, and uh, set them each a task to write a chapter of this book uh, with instructions to make it as bad as possible. He then edited it together and took out anything of any literary or cultural value. <laughs> Uh, and that book went on to sell 400,000 copies. Yeah. So, uh, Where did the toll booth come in? So uh, it included a sex scene in a toll, toll booth and a Shetland pony. Um, wait, the sex wait, scene was not in a toll booth and a sex Shetland wait, pony? Wait, wait. This is an important time to have your Oxford comma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... Uh, let's move on. Uh, truth decay. Uh, what connects Abyssinia, Virginia Woolf, the, uh, what's that, the US, no, the HMS Dreadnought, HMS Dreadnought thank you, and uh, a damn good caning. Abyssinia, Virginia Woolf, the HMS Dreadnought, and a caning. Well, Abyssinia and Virginia have ear at the end. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. That was it. That yeah. was it. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Oh. So this is again a hoax, isn't this it? This is a hoax this that a involved hoax. these four things. I don't know, was, this, was this some kind of uh, wartime thing where there was a false report of troop movements or something about people somehow colluding to get the impression that a boat was somewhere where it wasn't, or something like that. Uh, no, no, I, I, I suspect this was post World War Two. Post World War Two. Mm. Again, I don't have my notes here. Are, they, uh, are these all things that can be prefaced by the phrase "Who's afraid of"? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to yeah. give you points for that. I think <laughs> Virginia Woolf 
drowned, I think. Did and she fall off the dreadnought? <laughs> and, 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 and the uh, the the in the uh, the ocean, the, the abyssal plain is what you get if you fall to the bottom of the ocean. Uh, in D and D, maybe. Uh, and and Cain. Caning, caning is. Uh, there was a you... mutiny on the HMS Redenwalt, which yeah. was the cane mutiny. Yeah, that's right. Led by. Um, sorry, let's go to the audience for uh, an update on this. What can you tell us about this? Um, Virginia Wolf and her friends sent a message to HMS Redenwalt saying that they're from the Foreign Office and that some Abyssinian prince was going to visit. And one of her friends just put on a whole bunch of shoe polish and, like, Oh my god! <laughs> and wow. around while all these naval officers showed them everything, and just said bunga bunga in spoken Latin wow. all the time, and yeah, it became quite a scandal at the time. That's absolutely right. Oh, yes. Wow. Um, well, we have to give some points to the audience again. Um, <laughs> oh, well, it's always a mistake. I, I hesitate to ask, but where does the jolly good caning come into this? Well, so it was. Uh, so. Uh, the <laughs> Just look at your notes, Brendan. The Just Navy, the Navy got its revenge by uh, giving two of the uh, hoaxsters a caning. Um, Virginia Woolf was uh, was not caned um, on account of her being a woman. Um, although the fact that she was a woman and was allowed on the dreadnought was uh, part of the major part of the scandal. Mm. So yeah, there you go. All right, uh, let's see what. It, this is exciting. I have no yeah, idea. What, yeah. what, what have we got next? Um, okay, what connects $15 million, a car dealership, and the body of Lennon? Was there oh. a car, car dealer that famously tried to like sell someone like a Fiat Pinto or something with the claim like, do you want this one? you want this one? It's got, it's got the body of Lennon in the trunk. Body <laughs> Lennon. Yeah, all yours, $15 million. You can have it. One careful lady owner. One careful lady owner. Communist. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't, um, wasn't the body of Lennon stolen from Lennon's tomb And it was held for ransom for $15 million And then turned out the person who'd stolen it was a, a car dealer uh, No, no uh, the, the body of Charlie Chaplin was stolen and held for ransom mm. uh, But not the body of Lennon Well, the, the, well be- it could have been Chaplin just with, without the funny moustache <laughs> mm. no? Did uh, John Lennon wrote the song Drive My Car which uh, over time in royalties made fifteen million dollars, and and when Good. he died, his his body was the body of Lennon. Uh, no, was, I really appreciate yeah. what you're bringing it to this, Scott. It, it turned out it was actually by Paul McCartney, and that was the big hoax. Like that was the, yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, there was a false rumor, uh, a false article published saying that because the USSR was running out of money, they were offering to sell the body of Lennon for fifteen million dollars. Um, and uh, although the, um, the USSR denied it, uh, offers came flooding in of people offering to buy the body, uh, including wow. a car dealership. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I presumably to what like display doing? in the showroom. <laughs> just, like, just put it up on the, like a rotating pole or something. I know it sounds weird, but do you remember like the, uh, oh one of those inflatable wavy men? <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that liquor store Henry's that had the the big helicopter in the car park mm. for no real reason. Maybe it's just like that. Yeah. Is there a better way to make money from the body of Lennon? <laughs> it's no. what he would no. want. No. They found the ultimate solution. That's <laughs> the only way. It's the only thing you can do. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Uh, that brings us to the end <laughs> of the round. <laughs> Tara, what are the scores? Brendan, currently the audience is on 20 points. Brendan, you yourself are on minus five points for not knowing how to double-sided print. (laughs) Uh, Truth Decay are on 18 points and Pants on Fire Brigade are on 27 points. Pants on Fire Brigade. Look, double-siding has nothing to do with it, Tara. It just didn't print. Okay, uh, let's see, what's next? Ah, oh, yes, Underworld, Rise of the Lycans. Uh, it's time to return to our lie detection challenge. Uh, so, uh, let's see, Moata, uh, you have a story that's either true or false. And, uh, I do. Pants on Fire Brigade. Mm. Once again, you apply your... Yes. Uh, 
extreme eye contact okay. the entire time that I'm talking. How are you doing, Waita? I'm really good. Cool. <laughs> I'm allowed to make nothing. I can't keep that up, actually. Um, so I like Star Wars a lot, mm-hmm. and I used to work at the warehouse when I was uh, a student many years ago, and so I had a staff discount. Um, cut a long story short, I own over 100 Star Wars toys, uh, and I have a spreadsheet to document them. <laughs> right. Mm. Well, Moata is a librarian, so spreadsheets and documenting uh, where things are is a uh, natural part of uh, part of her, 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 her personality, I believe. Liars, made... liars use more eyes and me's in their stories, and yeah. I, I heard she was she was owning that story from end to end. She Absolutely. wasn't trying to distance herself from it. Yeah, which gives credence. Now, Scott, as someone who's worked at the warehouse, mm, do mm. you believe that um... what was what, what what percentage was the discount that you got? <laughs> It was 15%, Scott. Okay, she's good. She's good. <laughs> As someone who works in the warehouse, do you think that that would be a sufficient enough discount for you to buy over 100 Star Wars toys? Um, now, I have seen your CD collection, <laughs> yeah. so I know what happened to if you. If anything, she's understating yeah. the, the, the figures. Um, body language was neutral. Um, I wasn't seeing any, too many tells there. Mm, very good control mm. throughout. Mm. And she's very carefully holding her mouth currently. Um, <laughs> it's what, my signature. Look. What's the yeah. heading of the third column in your spreadsheet? Um, to be honest, I like started the spreadsheet and then I got a bit bored with that. Once you get up into the high eighties, it's like so interesting. No, interesting. well, I, can't really I mean, remember. but. The naming the columns is the first thing that you do. Okay, I'm going to need an answer, guys. I, I think it's a lie. Yeah, lie. I think it's a lie. Marta? No, it's completely true. Okay. Ah. Well done. Well done. All right, very nice. Um, and Scott. Yes, hello. It's your turn. Uh, well, I, I, for a time, lived in London, London, and I worked in a cinema in Greenwich, and we were screening uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 2, Dead Man's Chest. Uh, <laughs> Checks out. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, one evening, uh, after the, all the evening sessions had gone in, uh, three young men came into the foyer. Uh, one of those men was was Orlando Bloom, and he came up. Uh, the sessions had already started. He asked the person at the box office. He wasn't me, uh, but I was working at the time. Uh, whether he could pop in to this current screening of Dead Man's Chest, and uh, they said, "Yeah." Sure, fine. And so he and his two friends went into the session and there was a, an usher in there who, who reported what happened next, which was that uh, they came in. It was a full but not totally full session. They sat down at the front and they were a bit noisy, but they, they were there for maybe five, ten minutes. And then a scene came on on the screen which had Orlando Bloom and he stood up and proceeded to basically lip-sync, shouting out into the theatre about three lines of dialogue that his character said, and then all three of them ran out of the, of the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> That's my story. Once again, I can't help but rue the missing point number seven from it. <laughs> <laughs> really feel that would be like... But, Scott, let me ask you if uh. I... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was... I was, trying to do no, yeah, I was trying to do number two, yeah, which number is su- surprise them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Scott stayed pretty... I mean, there, there wasn't a lot of Scott in that story, was there? There was, no, there was a little, very second-hand information. Yes. Could have been carefully constructed. In, carefully constructed? In, in such I a mean, way. Did he, do we know that he, like, if he could just be borrowing that story and inserting himself into it? Was he even there? Um, what was the name of that cinema? Yes, Scott? the Greenwich Picture House. The Greenwich Picture House. And was that what, was that a daytime <clears throat> session or an evening? Evening session. Can I just ask you to say no four times in a row? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. See, he didn't close his eyes or do it after because it says pay attention to how they say no. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't in a sing-song no. manner. No. In a sing song, he didn't close his eyes. He didn't look in a different direction. So you know that—that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Okay, I'm going to need an answer. Um, what do you think? Um, well, it does 
confirm the suspicion that I've always had that all I know is Bloom's a bit of a fuckwit. Yes, <laughs> like a, like um, a tosser. That so it works for me on that That level. seems in character, doesn't it? it okay, does. so we're going to say it's true. Scott? It's a lie. Oh! Was oh. well, there any story. truth in it? I, I worked there. Yeah, Here's the other two. Just remove, <laughs> remove Orlando from the picture. It's, it's great. If only. All right, uh, that brings us to <laughs> the... <laughs> that brings us to the end of the round. Tara, as we go into the final round, where do the scores stand? Uh, currently, the scores stand on a bed of lies, because uh, I've been making it up this entire time. What? <laughs> <laughs> it was a lie. Uh, Truth Decay are currently sitting on 28 points, while Pants on Fire Brigade have 37. Oh, Pants on Fire Brigade. Uh, so for our final round, I want you to tap into the masters of the form of lying. That is, of course, I want you to become politicians. <laughs> so in this round, you will each be making a political campaign for a candidate that is not particularly desirable. Uh, <laughs> but you will, have to, you will have to make the best of it. So Pants on Fire Brigade... I would like you to make a political campaign for the Alien Queen from Alien. All right. Okay. And Truth Decay, I would like you to make a political campaign for the Sarlacc. <laughs> the uh, tentacle thing from... Uh... We know what it is, Brenda. Yeah. Okay. She has a hundred toys. Do you have a Sarlacc toy? I don't have a Sarlacc toy. Oh, There's oh. not really a lot you can do. <laughs> so here's how it'll work. I'll give each team a minute to make your case. 30 minutes, uh, 30, 30 seconds. <laughs> 30 seconds of uh, rebuttal or attack ads and then a closing statement. So, uh, Pants on Fire Brigade, let's hear from you first. Ladies and gentlemen, the alien queen. She is a woman. She's strong. She knows what she wants. And she's, she, she, she's determined to get it. She's going to put blood, sweat and tears, blood made, made of acid uh, to, to get it. She'll burn through all those. Her acid will, will make, burn holes in those glass ceilings because she is a woman with drive. Absolutely. Uh, the alien queen is adaptable. She will thrive in any environment. Uh, she really invests in people. Um, and she is pro-immigration She welcomes mm, all settlers mm. to the area She obviously has a very flat governance structure While she is in charge She allows everyone else to serve their function around her And she gets things done The economy will have movement all over the place And um, there will be no child left behind Alright, thank you Pants on Fire Brigade Now let's hear about the Sarlacc Sure, Brendan. Well, you know what people hate is big government, right? The, the government coming over, inserting itself into into our lives and interfering with what we do, and you know, just trying to decide who, what light bulbs we can put in, and things like that. The Salak Pit is very passive. Okay, he's going to wait for you to come to him. Okay, if you've got problems, he's he's very do nothing. He's not going to interfere with your lives. He's very much like a current national government, in fact, in that in that respect. So, so, you know, he's not going to be um, butting in, basically. You know, the Starlack's a steady hand, with, I mean, without actual hands. Um, a steady and, tentacle. Or several. Uh, and as Ben said, um, you come to... It, it is there. It is been there. It will continue to be there. Yes, and it, uh, having been elected, I think we can look forward to a thousand-year term of, being, of, the, right. of, of our problems being slowly digested. <laughs> All right, uh, Alien Queen. What do we really know about the Sarlacc, anyway? It takes a thousand years to digest. I don't believe that mm. for a second. Mm. I, you, know, you, want to see, you want to see someone that can digest and chew through a problem really quickly? The Alien Queen has two mouths. That's right. And she talks straight out of both of them. And you know what? You want a leader who is focused on the job at hand, not distracted. And the Sarlacc is a giant mouth that remains permanently open, surrounded by sand. Sand is, is coarse. It gets everywhere. The Sarlacc will be focused on trying to get the sand out of, out of the bits in between its teeth. It won't, it won't have time for politics, for leadership. Mm. Sarlacc. Well, I mean, think about in our current political environment. OK, look at what Trump did to become president. He saw off a strong female. The alien queen has never seen off the strong female that is Ripley. She loses to her every time. 
Furthermore, you know, can we see the Alien Queen's emails? That's yes. what I want to... <laughs> Is the Alien Queen likeable? Uh, right. Would you want to have a beer with the Alien Queen? <laughs> All right, let's... Uh, I'd like to hear your closing statements, and then the audience will decide who they want to elect. Us first? Yes, yes please. In times... Of xenophobia, you need a xenomorph. Adaptable, adjustable, and internal. Vote Alien Queen. Thank you. I got this. Oh, you got this. Yeah. You got this. The Sarlacc. Got rid of Boba Fett. Boba Fett's badass. But Sarlacc, better than Boba Fett. Chew on that. <laughs> Over a thousand years. Over a thousand years. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for you to uh, decide who you would like to elect as your new leader. And let's be honest, both of them seem pretty good compared to. Uh... So, uh, do you want to see the Alien Queen or the Sarlacc? Uh, please vote now for the Sarlacc. <laughs> yes, okay. A golf clap for the Sarlacc. Uh, and who would like to see the Alien Queen? All right. Uh, how do you feel about that? Oh, we th- feel that we've made a solemn covenant here. <laughs> and things can only get better. Um, and uh, as a member of, of her security detail, I'd just like to say, get away from her, you bitches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, game over, man. It's time for us to get the final scores. Tara, where are we at? Brendan, Brendan, Brendan. Tara, Tara, Tara. Uh, currently, Truth Decay uh, are finishing the episode on 28 points, while Pants on Fire Brigade have 47 and are the winners! Woo! Pants on Fire Brigade! <laughs> All right, this was a triumph. The, the, the yeah. thing is, though, I'm just going to tell people that we won. <laughs> <laughs> and Damn. there's only this audio file to prove That's you otherwise. Right. There are ways. <laughs> All right, well, folks, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, And next time, there'll be cake. Good night. Okay, thanks, everyone. There literally is cake uh, in the foyer. Um,